بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين Alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah, we continue once again with our fiqh of hajj. Um, continuing on from last week, where did we stop? We, can, we covered the conditions of hajj. We covered hajj maqbul, mabrur, the differences between the two. And we spoke about, towards the end, the types of hajj. Right? And we said that there are three types of, three types of hajj. And this is found in hadith. Uh, that some of the Sahaba did Hajj in this way, some did Hajj in that way, and so forth, right? Uh, so, what are the three types of Hajj? Tamattu, Ifrad, and Kiran. Tamattu, Ifrad, and Kiran. Okay? We describe the Tamattu Hajj in a nutshell. What is it? Umrah. Umrah first, I don't say combined. Okay? Umrah and Hajj, separately. Separately. So you make a full Umrah, come out of Ihram. When the days of Hajj begin, the eighth, as you go to Mina, this is when you now put a new Ihram for Hajj. Right? That is Tamattu Hajj. Okay? Ifrad means entering Ihram for Hajj only. Ifrad means for Hajj only. So no Umrah. Okay? And so when we get to Mecca, we make tawaf of arrival. And do you make sa'i? You have the option of making sa'i. Okay? If you make sa'i, then that sa'i for hajj is done. Meaning in the days of hajj, you will not make sa'i again. Or you can delay that sa'i for later on. Right? So there will be two tawafs. The tawaf of arrival... And then the tawaf of hajj, which we call tawaful ifadah. Tawaful ifadah. Okay? And after that you can make your sa'i, or after the first tawaf. Understand? But there will be one sa'i basically. And you will stay in ihram from the time you pass the miqat up until the end of your hajj. Or until you come out of ihram in hajj. And we will discuss when that happens as we go through the hajj, right? When do you uh, come out of ihram? And so forth. Okay, after you do certain rituals, you are then allowed to come out of ihram. Again, that, that we will leave for its place. Um, and then thirdly, qiran means entering ihram for hajj and umrah. And that's why I said don't say combined, because that is actually qiran. I know what you meant, but qiran means a hajj and umrah combined. Understand? Same ihram. Same ihram. So there are certain similarities between them. So Qiran and Ifrad is similar how? It's one Ihram. You, ne- you never come out of Ihram. You stay in Ihram from the passing of the Miqat until you come out of Ihram for Hajj. Right? But what's the difference between the two? The only difference between the two is your Niyah is different. That your Niyah was actually a Hajj and Umrah. And secondly, there will be a Hadi involved. What is a Hadi? It's a good word to learn. Word that you learn, it's part of the vocab of Hajj. A what? No, that's a dam. A dam is a penalty. A hadith is your sacrificial animal, your sacrifice. So those who are doing Qiran, there's a sacrifice that's wajib upon them. Those who are doing Ifrad, there's no sacrifice for them to offer. Of a sheep, for example, right? That's the difference between Qiran and Ifrad. But the rituals are the same. The rituals are the same. You come in, you perform tawaf of arrival. You can either make your sa'i now or later. You stay in ihram the entire hajj. Understand? The only difference is your intention and the, the hadith. That's between qiran and ifrad. The difference between those two and tamattu is the full umrah come out of ihram, new ihram for hajj. And a hadith, there has to be for tamattu as well. Right? Um, so we are we now page four of the notes from last week. 
Right, we'll move on to this week's notes. Did, did those who came in, just make sure you get, get a stack of notes, okay? Do we have? Anybody have? Um... So what did we say there? The actions done in Quran are the same as those done in Ifrad, as we explained, except that the pilgrim doing Quran has to offer a hadith, which we explained, whereas the pilgrim doing Ifrad does not. The best one. Sorry, yes. Clarify, maybe I made a mistake. In Quran, is there a Umrah also? So you come in, your intention is Umrah. Then you will perform Tawaf, and you can perform your Sa'i, and that's exactly Umrah. But you don't come out of the Ihram. Uh, so you don't change your head, for example. Right. But the intention is there to do both. And you do a Hadith. It has to be a Hadith. Like I said, the main difference is more your niyyah. So I'm coming here for hajj. So for example, like I said, when we students often, what we did is, we are in Saudi Arabia. For us to make umrah, it's easy. For us to go every month for umrah, it's simple. Jump in a bus, a taxi, you go for three hours, umrah, and you come back the same night sometimes. You know, we made umrah, we go back. So for us to make the matu, it wasn't necessary because we make umrah all the time. I understand. So for us, if Rod was the easiest option, mm. we come in, we're making Hajj only. We're just here to make Hajj mm. and we're going back home. So we did not have to offer sacrifices. It's also cheaper for the student yeah. because it's 400 years. Yeah. You know? Mm. So for example, that's what we used to do. Most students, mm. you can afford the tamatu or you want to do the tamatu, no problem. Or you can do the Quran. Right? But the main difference between the two is the Ali and the Niyah. I'm coming here for Hajj and Umrah. Who oh, I'm coming here for? Hajj only. Who oh, I'm coming here for Hajj only. Understand? But the rituals are actually the same. The rituals are actually the same. Can you do the Umrah after Hajj? On Quran? It's, it's, it's not Umrah and then Hajj. It's, it's in one. It's one. Oh, well, in one. But the actions are Tawaf and Sa'i. Okay. Because what is Umrah? Umrah is Tawaf. Sa'i will walk between Safa and Marwa. And you shave your head. That, that is Umrah. So you are not going to shave your head because that is to come out of Ihram. That will happen during the days of Hajj. It will happen. Um, but like I said, you can do the Tawaf and Sa'i in the beginning or you can delay the Sa'i to later on. Either way. But it's it's blended in. Okay. Understand? The Tawaf is separated. Umrah, Hajj. And that those, that's, that's how they are basically different. Which one would you choose to do? Tamattu. I think most foreigners who come from outside of Saudi who live far from Mecca, they do Tamattu Hajj. Right? And the majority of the scholars are of the view that Tamattu Hajj is the best Hajj. It is the, the best Hajj. Why? Because firstly there's a hadith. What Hajj did the Prophet do? Anybody know? Huh? That the Prophet did a Quran Hajj. He did a Quran Hajj. And what he did was is he traveled from Medina to Mecca with his sacrificial animal. So he traveled from Medina to Mecca with his sacrifice that he was going to offer. Right? Him and a number of others. Remember, traveling back then, today, is completely different. To travel that time, on a camel with your sheep in tow, for example, wasn't that bad. So it's kind of normal probably for them. Today to travel, how are you going to transport your sheep with you? You probably have to rent a bucky. You know, like the farmers have in Saudi, often you'll see it on the long road, you'll see they have a big bucky with those bars at the back with an animal inside. You have to do something like that, which is going to be difficult for, for a foreigner. Maybe for the locals, it's, it's doable. But there's hardship involved, right? The Prophet ﷺ did a Quran Hajj. When he left the Miqat? Yeah. Yes, all of them. They are all of them. Because that's a long journey. Yeah. yeah. So that shows you how easy it's become. 
So all of them, once they left the past the Miqat, Ihram was on. The state of Ihram where they were in. And they traveled. Not just the Qiran boys who had the, the Hadi. All of them, males and females. That's how they traveled. From wherever they came, whether it was Medina, Dhul Hulaifa is the Miqat you mentioned, and all of the surrounding areas where there's a Miqat, they all had to travel for days and weeks in the Ihram. Okay? So, he did Qiran Hajj. But, when they got to Makkah, a number of the Sahaba were also, they made the same niyyah as the Rasulullah, because he's the, the Qudwa, right? He's the role model. He's the example that they followed. And he basically said to them, had it not been that I came with my animal, I would have changed my niyyah to tamattu. So you should all change your niyyah to tamattu. Meaning those of you who have not come with your animals, change your niyyah to tamattu. And they were hesitant because they did not want to be different to the Prophet And then he made it clear to say, it's only because of my animal that I have to fulfill the way it is. Meaning this animal has to be slaughtered at its, at its time. So I cannot change my niyyah now. And what did they do? They changed their niyyah to tamattu. They came out of ihram. And they came out of ihram. And they entered ihram again on the 8th for hajj. So from this the ulama say that because the Prophet enjoined upon them and instructed them to perform tamattu, this would be the best of, the, of hajj. Okay? Also in tamattu, what else is there in tamattu? There's more rituals. There's two umrahs, sorry, there's two tawafs and two sa'is basically. It's a full umrah and a full hajj. Right? So there's more reward in that and Allah knows best. And also it's the easier option. Because you come out of ihram, you can relax. You understand? In ihram, as we said, we're going to go through the rulings of ihram. But it can be difficult physically and also you need to be on, on guard that I'm not removing hairs and... You know, my clothing that I'm wearing. And you uh, don't have intimacy with your spouse. And so forth. Right? There's a lot of things that you need to now watch. You're in the state of Ihram, which is a... It is, it is a, a sacred condition that you are in. So it's not a time where you want to joke around and waste time and so forth. So to come out of Ihram would definitely be easier. And this is why we... Uh, the scholars say that Tamattu is the better option. Especially if you're going to be staying long in Mecca. If you're quick, you just come in the day before, then it's different. Then we can say you can do Quran or Ifrad and Allah knows best. Yes, sir. Yes, only one Hajj. Yes. So after Hajj became obligatory, we said in the eighth year, or was it the ninth year? The ninth year we said, the following year he made Hajj and not long after that he passed away. Not long after that, he passed away. So in the Hajj, he gave the farewell sermon, which wherein he said that it's not going to be long before I will leave you behind and, and so forth, right? Um, the proof that the Hadi is for Kiran and Tamattu is found in this ayah in Surah Baqarah, where Allah says, فَمَنْ تَمَتَّعَ بِالْعُمْرَةِ إِلَى الْحَجِّ مِنَ الْحَدِي Whoever performs Umrah during the Hajj months, followed by Hajj. So who performs Hajj and Umrah? Istamattu and Qiran. Right? What can be obtained with ease of sacrificial animals? Meaning that is what is obligatory upon you. Understand? Whoever cannot find, meaning he's not by the means. Or there's no animals. Right? If you're not by the means, then fast three days during Hajj and seven when you have returned home. Tilka asharatun kamila. The Quran says that is the ten complete, that's the, the 10 days, which is a complete period, basically. So if you cannot afford a hadith, you lost all your money. Allah forbid, it can happen. Or, there's some difficulty with regards to the hadith, then you are allowed to fast 3 days during hajj, and 7 days when you return home. Right? But I think today, again, it's not that bad, it's not that difficult to find an animal now. There's a whole system in place, you know, um, and all of this is taken, sometimes it's taken care of from here already. Before you leave, you pay for your hadith. Understand? And Allah knows best. So we move to page 5, which is now the new notes that we've given out. 
which says even if a person enters ihram for Quran or ifrad, it is strongly recommended for him to change his intention to Umrah. As we gave the story of what happened, right? Complete Umrah, exit ihram, so that he will be doing tamattu'. He may do that after ta- performing ta'af al-qudum and sa'i. So you can change your intention even after all of this. After you've come in for hajj, but you make your ta'af of arrival, you make your sa'i, after that you can still change that intention to tamattu' if you've entered with a different uh, intention. And this is exactly what we mentioned. If you look towards the end of that hadith here in the next paragraph, the Prophet said, do what I've ordered you to do. Had I not brought the hadith with me, I would have done the same, but I cannot finish my ihram till the hadith reaches its destination. This is what I explained shortly, right? That's the, the proof over there. What about changing intention from tamattu'? So your intention is Umrah and Hajj. Is it possible to change that niyyah to Hajj only? Right? Generally, this would not be done. As we said, you want to perform Umrah and Hajj. But at certain times, it might have to be done. Like when? Who can think of an example? An example is for women who might be menstruating. When you get to Makkah and you're menstruating, you are unable to perform the tawaf. Right? Um, if you check the hadith there, tawaf done by a menstruating woman is not valid because of the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim from Aisha radiallahu anha, according to which she got her menses before entering Makkah. Just before she got to Makkah, she got her hayd. And the Prophet said to her, do everything that the haji will do, that the pilgrim will do, but do not make tawaf of the Kaaba until you become pure. It's clear. You can do everything else in terms of Arafah, Mina, Pelt of the Jamarats. You can do everything but not tawaf. But not tawaf. Which means you can do. But not so which means if you arrive in Makkah, you're supposed to perform Umrah. Because you are doing Tawattu. But you cannot do Tawaf. So now what does she do? She, there's two options here. If there's enough time, right? If there's enough time before the days of Hajj starts, she can wait. Be stay, she'll stay in a state of Ihram. But she will have to Wait. Until her period ends, she makes a ghusl, purifies herself, and then she performs her umrah. Right? So in this case, she's still doing tamattu hajj. Umrah and then hajj. Understand? If there's not enough time, like in the case of Aisha radiallahu anha, they came into Makkah a few days before hajj. A few days before hajj they came, and she could not do her umrah. And what happened was is, she then had to change that that tamattu hajj to a qiran hajj. To a qiran hajj, which is still umrah and hajj. Which is still a umrah mixed with a hajj. Except that she could not do the first tawaf. Except that she could not do the, the first tawaf. Okay, let's read on. Um, The hadith is still applicable. But then there's no umrah reward. There's no umrah reward. So you would want, I mean, she could have just, I mean, she's coming, she's going to give the hadith for tamattu in any case. She wants the reward of both. And so, we, in this case, the Quran would be the, the better option. She has the option of both. But the Quran would make more sense. Quran would make more sense. Right? If you look at this hadith, which is a lengthy hadith from Aisha, it explains basically the whole story. Right? We went the myth with, with the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi with no other aim but that of Hajj, till we came to a place known as Sarif. Sarif is just outside of Makkah. Then I entered in the state of Menses. The Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi came to me while I was weeping. And he said, what makes you weep? I said, would that I had not come for pilgrimage this year. And this is woman, Right? She was upset, she was sad, and he said to her, you know, what's causing you to cry? Why are you upset? She said, I wish I didn't come this year for Hajj. 
out of, uh, she was obviously emotional. And the Prophet sallallahu said to her, what has happened to you? You have perhaps entered into the period of means. He knew, obviously something has upset her, and he understood. And he said, this is what has been ordained for the daughters of Adam. This is to console her, to show her this is not something new. This doesn't only happen to you, it happens to many people, many women. From the time of Adam, alayhi salam, until the end of time, this is how we have, women have been created. Understand? With hayd. And there is benefits in hayd. Right? It's a purification. It's also a reward. Not just a health benefit, but also all that suffering that you go through in your hayd. Allah is rewarding you and forgiving your sins. As the hadith says, even if it's a prick of a thorn, if you have stomach cramps, if you have this issues, that issues, even if it's an emotional issue, you can be rest assured Allah is forgiving your sins for that. You know, and that's a benefit. Understand? That is, this, there is a lot of benefit in it. And he said, do what a haji will do, except that you should not make tawaf of the Kaaba. Till you are purified of your hayd. And Aisha then said, when I came to Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ said to the companions, make this ihram, the ihram for Umrah. So this tells us that they all came for, with the intention of Hajj only. They all came with this intention. And then he said to the others, change the intention. To Umrah, meaning Tamattu. So the people put up ihram, except those who had sacrificial, sacrificial animals with them. So some of them had the hadi with them. They could not change the niyyah, as we said. So Aisha says, the apostle of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam had the sacrificial animal with him. So had Abu Bakr, Umar, and other persons of means. So we find a lot of them who were by the means, and those who had status perhaps, they came with the animals with them, meaning they did not change the intention. Uh, they, meaning those who had put off ihram, those who changed the intention to tamattu, put on ihram for hajj when they marched towards Mina, and it was the 8th of the hijjah This is when hajj now starts. As you go to Mina on the 8th, they put on the ihram once again. This is known as the day of At-Tarwiyah. At-Tarwiyah on the 8th. And she says, when it was the day of sacrifice, which is the 10th, Yawmun Nahr, also known as, what's the other day for Yawmun Nahr? Eid al-Adha. Right? It's known as Yawmun Nahr, the day of sacrifice, or Eid al-Adha. On this day, she says, I was purified. Her period came to an end. And the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa commanded me, and I did the tawaf of ifadah. So this is when she did her tawaf of ifadah, which is the tawaf of hajj. Which is your tawaf of hajj. And she said that the flesh of the cow was sent to us. What is this? They said the mission of Allah Sallallahu has offered us a cow on behalf of his wives. He sacrifices on behalf of his wives. When it was the night of Hasba, I said, Oh, mission of Allah, people are coming back from Hajj and Umrah, whereas I'm coming back from Hajj alone. Now, this is when they are leaving. This, this now applies to when they are leaving Mecca, going home to Medina. What is happening here now? She's still upset. She's still hurt. About what? About the fact that she did not get to make her umrah. And she says, everybody's going back after performing umrah and hajj. But I only made hajj. I didn't get to do that umrah initially in the first place. So she was still upset about this. And she was, she needed to be consoled, right? And she's going to her husband and saying to him, this is not... Yes, it's good, but it's not enough for me. Uh, you know, I, I feel incomplete. My hajj doesn't feel complete. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Bakr. Who is this? Who is Abdul Rahman? The son of Abu Bakr? Her brother. She's the daughter of Abu Bakr, correct? Aisha bint Abi Bakr. The Prophet then said to Abdul Rahman, her brother, to mount me upon his camel behind him. I was a very young girl and I remember, I well remember that I dozed off and my face touched the hind part of the hodaj, which is the, the uh, hodaj is the people the, the, that they used to wear, on, that, you know, the, on top of the camels they used to have like a little, like a little room where the woman would sit inside. And she was extremely young and small, so this is where she would be inside. 
till we came to Tana'im. Tana'im is still in existence to this day. It's referred to as Masjid Aisha. It's referred to as Masjid Aisha because of this. It's referred to as Masjid Aisha because of this. Tana'im is in Makkah. Um, when we got to Tana'im, she says, I entered into the state of Ihram. Why? To perform Umrah. Which I had, for the time being abandoned, means she, she could not have done. And which the people had performed. That's the hadith in Sahih Muslim. There's a lot of benefits on this hadith. A lot of points that we could have spoken about on this hadith. Right? And I'm going to speak about that Umrah issue later on. Khair? Are there any questions on this hadith? Anything that stands out for you? Anything you need clarity on? A lot of uh, information she gives in this hadith of what happened. Things that we mentioned before. Again, she mentions it again in the hadith and so forth. Okay? Um, But on this issue, which is the menstruation issue, it's an important issue that we need to understand. It can happen. And if it does happen, you need to know what to do during your hajj. You need to know what to do during your hajj. So I put in the fatawa of the scholars in the notes that you have it with you. If you need clarity, you can read up on it again. Right? You can read up on it again. Okay? So there's a fatwa of Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin, rahimahullah. He said, if a woman intends to do umrah, it's not permissible for her to pass the miqat without, without entering ihram, even if she is menstruating. Right? That's another point. The point here is what? If you are going for hajj umrah, you are allowed to enter ihram even if you are menstruating. Don't think I can't go into ihram because I have menstruation. You are allowed to enter ihram even if you are menstruating. Yes. Isn't that you allowed or you have to? You have to. What I mean by allowed is you do not think it's not allowed. It's allowed. And you have to because it's part of the rituals of hajj or umrah. So when you pass the miqat, you make sure you're in a state of ihram, menstruating or not. Okay? So she should enter ihram even if she's menstruating and her ihram is valid. This doesn't affect your ihram at all, your state of ihram at all. The evidence for that is the fact that Asma binti Umais, who was the wife of Abu Bakr, radiyallahu anhu, gave birth when the Prophet sallallahu was camped at Dhul Hulaifah. On his way to perform the farewell hajj. She sent word to the Prophet asking him what she should do. And he said, do ghusl and tie a piece of cloth around yourself and enter ihram. So purify yourself for ihram as usual. Right? Tie a piece of cloth meaning around your private part. Like today a sanitary pad for example is the same thing. And enter into ihram. That's the proof that you must still go into the state of ihram. The blood of menstruation is like the blood of nifas. Why does the sheikh say this? Because in the hadith, this woman had the blood of nifas. She gave birth. So she was bleeding due to nifas, which is due to childbirth. It's the same like hayd. Understand? So the ruling doesn't change. So we say to the menstruating woman, if she passes the miqat and she intends to do hajj or umrah, we say to her, do ghusl, tie a piece of cloth around yourself and enter ihram. Okay, that's clear. And we see this. What's meant by this is a sanitary pad and tying it in place and entering ihram made of hajj umrah. But when she enters ihram and reaches Makkah, she should not go to the Kaaba or do tawaf until she becomes pure. Right? So you're not allowed to do tawaf. You stay in Makkah until you become pure. Hence the Prophet said to Aisha, when she menstruated during umrah, do everything that the pilgrims do, but do not do tawaf of the house until you become pure. This is in Bukhari and Muslim. According to Sahih Bukhari, Aisha says that when she became pure, she made tawaf of the house and did sa'i between Safa and Marwa. This indicates that if a woman enters ihram for hajj or umrah, when she is menstruating, or her period comes before she does tawaf, she should not do tawaf or sa'i until she becomes pure and does ghusl. Right? This is clear. But if she did tawaf when she was pure, and after she finished her tawaf, her period came, then she should continue and do sa'i even if she is menstruating, and she should cut her hair and end her umrah because tahara is not essential for sa'i between Safa and Marwa. Any questions on this? Is this clear? Must I repeat this? 
What did the Sheikh say at the end? If you did tawaf and you get your hayd, then what do you do? You carry on with the with the umrah. You make sa'i because sa'i tahara is not a condition for sa'i. Meaning, even if you don't have wudu for the men, if you break your wudu during the sa'i, no problem. You don't need wudu for sa'i. So the menstruating woman, she doesn't have to be pure for sa'i. So you can finish your sa'i, cut your hair, and your umrah is done. Understand? And the rest of the rituals of Hajj, we said, doesn't require tahara. Sorry, or should I say that she that that is tahara, like arafa, like felt in the jamarat, and so forth. So you can have your hayd and you can do all of these rituals, no problem. Yes. Yes. Basically, you skip that first tawaf because of your hayl. But you can do the sa'i. You can do the sa'i, but the, the, why, why go just do a sa'i? The sa'i usually follows the tawaf. So you wouldn't just do the sa'i. You would not go to the haram basically at all. You would wait until hajj starts. And then, when you become pure, you do your tawaf and your sa'i. And uh, that will count... Is that just the Umrah? You just do your Umrah? Sorry? That, just that will count as a full Quran Hajj. Even though you've done one less Tawaf. Right? Even though you've done one less Tawaf. Okay? And there's a hadith where the Prophet said to Aisha as well that your Tawaf and your Sa'i, which is which you only did once, right? Your Tawaf and your Sa'i is sufficient for you as a Hajj and a Umrah. So he gave her that. What's the word? He gave her that confirmation. That even though you only did it once, you didn't do it on, the, on arrival, it will count as a hajj and a umrah in terms of your reward. Is this clear? When you come out to be haram, the same like the rest of the hujjaj. The same like the rest of the hujjaj. And I'm going to get to that... Uh, during the, the rituals of Hajj, when do we come out of Ihram? Right, so as I said, there's certain rituals we need to perform, and then we come out of Ihram. Okay? Um, so hers will be the same as the, the rest. The Salah of Ihram. Of? Ihram. Salah of Ihram. Yes. That's, that is a Sunnah. Is that a Sunnah? We're not yet talking about Ihram yet. Keep that for the haram lesson next week, inshallah. Okay? We'll tackle that with the with the ihram issue, right? What was the question here? A woman came for hajj and got the period after she entered ihram. Her mahram had to, to, to leave straight away. She had no one else to make her. What's the ruling? Okay. Different issue again. Now another issue comes up. Let's say you arrived in Makkah. You're making tamattu', for example. You make your umrah, done. Right? And then, when Hajj starts, you get your Hayd. Hajj starts, you get your Hayd. So you go to Mina, no problem. You go to Arafah, no problem. You pelt the Jamarat, no problem. And that's actually when you come out of the, the clothing of Ihram. Then, but again, I'm not going to go into detail there. Then, you still have to do Tawaf al-Ifadah and your Sa'i of Hajj. But because you have your Hayd, you are not allowed to do the Tawaf. So you are obviously allowed to delay that tawaf now until you become pure, right? The problem is, what if you need to go home? If you're from Makkah, there's no problem. From Adina, there's no problem. You can wait. But you have a ticket booked. You need to get home, work. Your spouse needs to go home, right? We can't delay. We can't just change the tickets, etc. Now what? This is, the, this is the question that we are basically dealing with. Now what does the woman do? Her hajj is over, she still has hayd. She hasn't performed tawaf al-ifadah yet. And she is going home tomorrow. Understand the question? And this is where there's a principle in the sharia that says which literally means in cases of necessity that which is not permissible becomes permissible. 
That's a principle in the Sharia. In cases of necessity, that which is usually not permissible becomes permissible. This is now a case of a necessity. There's no option. She has to complete her Hajj or else she's going home with her incomplete Hajj. And to come back, when are you going to come back for Hajj? You know the process, it takes forever. And you may not have the money and so forth. So this is a time of necessity where she's allowed to make Tawaf in a state of Hayd. Where she's allowed to make that Tawaf in her Hayd, in a menstruating period. Because there's no other option. Understand this ruling? Any questions on this? The fatwa is there. You can read to the fatwa um, and so forth. Right? The Sheikh will now explain it in detail and so forth. In fact, I think one thing I didn't mention that the Sheikh mentions is if you are from Makkah or Medina or somewhere it's close by, then the, then the necessity doesn't apply. Then you have to come back when you can come back and complete it. Understand? But for us, it's not easy to come back. It's almost impossible at times. The, the necessity will apply and the woman can make her tawaf in the state of menstruation. Right? Um, and as for the female tawaf, that is, she's also excused from that. And if you look at the last hadith at the end of that fatwa, the Prophet said, uh, was told about Safiya, who is his wife, about that she did the tawaf al-ifada, the tawaf of hajj, but she could not do the farewell tawaf because of hayd. She could not do the farewell tawaf because of hayd. And then he said, let her leave. She can go home, it's fine. Right? This indicates that the farewell tawaf is not obligatory for a menstruating woman, but tawaf al-ifada is essential. That is a major ritual of hajj, it must be done. So in that case, you can do the tawaf al-ifada, even if you are menstruating, there's no other option. Tayyib. And... Where does this principle come from that I mentioned? Allah says in the Quran, Allah intends for you ease and does not intend for you hardship. Allah also says, We know this ayah at the end of Surah Baqarah. What does it mean? Allah does not charge a soul except with that within its capacity. Allah will never put a test on you that you cannot bear. He'll never give you too much to handle. In this case, what can you do? There's no other option. So Allah has made a way out. Okay, Allah has not placed upon you any difficulty in religion and so forth. And Allah says in Surah Aghabun, Fear Allah as much as you can. Keep your duty to Allah as much as you can. In this case, the woman has done as much as she possibly can. خلاص, that's all she could do. After that, Allah makes it easy and so forth. Right? Another mas'ala is if you have this fear as a female that you are going to get your menstruation. For example, you know you have a schedule that it comes in the beginning of every month or in the first week or second week and that falls within your hajj period. Then the scholars have said it's permissible to take medication to prevent your hayat from coming. Right? It's permissible. And again, that two paragraphs over there you can read through yourself. It's permissible to take medication to delay the hayl. Right? Because it's hajj. It's not anything else. It's, you, you know, it's, it comes once in your life. You want to hopefully do it fully and perfectly. Look at Aisha radiallahu One of the best women who walked this earth. The best female scholar of this earth was Aisha radiallahu The Sahaba used to come to her after the death of Rasulullah and study from her. And learn Islam from her. And she's one of the, 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 one of the Sahaba in general, male and female, who narrated the most ahadith. So she was a scholar of Islam. But yet she felt incomplete. She felt, but they, they did Umrah and Hajj. This is what she wanted to do. This was her intention. And she could not do it. So still she felt, so we don't want to put the woman through that. And the woman doesn't want to put herself through that. Even though your Hajj is accepted, your Hajj can be mabrur. Even if you had your hayd the whole way through hajj. Even though the hadith says your tawaf and your sa'i, which is you only did once, will count as a full hajj and umrah for you. So you did not do it twice, you only did it once because of your hayd. The hadith says it counts as a full hajj and a full umrah, as if you did it both times. Understand? But still, if you can avoid it, avoid it. 
And if you need to take medication, take medication. But what does this mean? This doesn't mean you come to the sheikh and say, can you prescribe me medication? This means you go to your doctor, speak to the doctor and say, I need medication for this purposes. Go to a Muslim doctor who understands hajj, who's been on hajj, who knows more or less what to give the person and speak to them about it. This is now not the job of the sheikh anymore or the travel agent or whoever you're going with. Go to your doctor before hajj in advance. Get the tests done. Do what you need to do in advance. Get the proper medication that for Allah, doesn't harm you that much and so forth. Because I understand taking a pill and these things, it messes up the body of the female and these other, you know, side effects. So with all of that, get the proper treatment that you need if you feel you need to do this. Right? And do that. Um... Another issue that comes up, which is the last issue in the notes, is the issue of making multiple umrahs on Hajj. Or multiple umrahs on your journey to Makkah. Right? Where does this come from? This is what we find from the hadith of Aisha. If you look at the end of the hadith, what happened? She complained. And the Prophet sent her back with her brother so she could make her umrah. Right? So what happens today is people go for Umrah, they arrive in Mecca on the first day and then every day they make another Umrah or every second day or they just make another Umrah during the journey so they went and they made two Umrahs on the journey. Understand? Is this permissible or is it not permissible? Right? The scholars differed over this. Some scholars said it's permissible because people come from far, they didn't, don't get to make Umrah every day or that often. And so for that reason, they allowed it. Other scholars said, that doesn't make it permissible. Right? Rather, this is an act of worship. An act of worship in the deen of Islam requires evidence to make it permissible. An act of worship in Islam requires an evidence that proves that this is a part of the Sharia. This is Allah Sharia. We cannot just make things part of Allah Sharia. Allah has to, he's the legislator, he's the lawmaker. So if they made it allowed, Allah is the messenger, then it's allowed. If they did not, then it's not allowed. And so the scholars argued and said that the Prophet ﷺ, whenever he went to Mecca for, for Umrah, he only performed one Umrah, and then stayed in Mecca for a few days, and then went back to Medina. And all of the Sahaba the same. And all of the Sahaba the same. The only incident when this happened was the incident of Aisha radiallahu And so the scholars say in her case, women that are in a similar case like her, it's permissible for them to make an Umrah because she missed out on that Umrah. She didn't actually perform the Umrah. And therefore this, you know, the woman can then make an Umrah after her Hajj if there's time. But everybody else, you make your Umrah and you hajj, and the rest of the time you spend in the haram, and you, you maximize your time in Mecca. Right? So, firstly, it was not the practice of the Prophet or the Sahaba. Right? And the Prophet is our guide, he's our role model. Allah says that in the Messenger of Allah, you have the best of example. Secondly, it makes things difficult. Firstly, for the haji. To make an umrah is strenuous. It's tiresome. Especially when it's hot and especially when it's full. So like I said, some people, they make umrah every day. This, at the end of the umrah, they are so finished. They're so tired. They miss out on other rituals like qiyamul layl. Or sitting in the haram and just reflecting and contemplating where you are and speaking to Allah subhanahu ta'ala that, you know, that peaceful alone time because why? Your day is spent sleeping, eating, back to tana'im, put you on a haram, back to the... and at the end of that, you're tired again. You know? We have to be also wise about it. You make your umrah, after that you relax. You spend your time and you get yourself in the right frame of mind and you speak to Allah and you make your dhikr and so forth. 
Thirdly, it doesn't make it hard on yourself only, it makes it difficult on everybody. Why? The haram is full. The tawaf is packed. The sa'is are packed. Right? If you are going to make umrah every now and then, imagine everybody continuously goes to Tana'im and comes back and makes umrah again and makes sa'i again. The haram will never get empty. And the zahma, the crowding is only going to increase because the people are doing the same thing over and over, over and over, over and over. Understand? So it also makes things difficult for others. The roads, the streets, the, the traffic, everything becomes extreme for others because we are going back and forth, back and forth, making umrah all the time. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, rahimahullah, he was asked, when should a person perform his next umrah? So let's say you made umrah, when do you perform another umrah? He said, when your hair grows fully back. So we know the sunnah for the males is that you shave your head off completely. So that you are completely bald. That's the, that's the sunnah. It's permissible to trim, but we'll discuss that issue again. Once your hair grows back completely, as your whole head is now black once again, it takes time. It takes a number of weeks. Let's say a month. He says, then you're allowed to go back and perform another umrah. This was his opinion. And this again shows that it wasn't their views to go up and down, up and down, up and down. Right? And the last point is that to do more is not necessarily better than doing less. And this is another very important point. More doesn't always mean better. More doesn't mean better. The hadith says, وَخَيْرُ الْهَدِي هَدْيُ مُحَمَّدٍ The best of guidance is the guidance of Muhammad. If this is the sunnah, nothing can beat this. Understand this. If the Prophet ﷺ did a certain act of worship like this, for you to do it in a different way, doing more, is not better than the few that he did. Our goal is to imitate him and not to do more than him or to outdo him or to do something better. There's, there's many examples we can give, right? Um, but to do more is not necessarily better. Precision is what you want. Quality over quantity is what you want. So if you look at the ayah in Surah Mulk, where Allah says, الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاءَ Allah is the one who created life and death. لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا What does أَحْسَن mean? Allah said He created this to test you, to see who of you are best indeed. Who of you are what? Best أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا The tafsir of Mkathir, it says there, he did not say most indeeds. Allah did not say أَكْثَرُ عَمَلًا He said أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا Allah wants to see who does the best deeds and not the most deeds. So a person who follows the sunnah, he can do very little. But he's better than a person who exerts himself and he does a lot. But he's not following the sunnah. See the difference? And this is what, what people need to, need to learn and understand. And also on this tafsir, one of the imams, Fudayl ibn Iyad, he said, what's meant by ahsan means aswab wa akhlas. That which is most sincere and that which is most correct. Most sincere means it's full of ikhlas. It's for the sake of Allah only. And aswab, most correct means it's according to the sunnah. That's what Allah wants to see from us. He doesn't need, Allah doesn't expect us to do endless worship or to do things excessively. He wants to see who is balanced, who does things properly. And that's what, that, that is what we require. So the same with our hajj, the same with our umrah, right? For example, what's better? Tawaf seven times around the Kaaba or 15 times around the Kaaba? 15 is more than seven. Why would you want to miss? Let's say you're super fit. For you to run seven times around the Kaaba is nothing. So instead of doing seven, I'm going to do 14. Double. In fact, I'm going to triple it because three is a sunnah. I'll make 21 times I'll go around the Kaaba. And then this brother over here, in that same time, he took his time. So I ran 21 times around the Kaaba, and this brother of mine, he walked seven times 
only. Whose is better? The brother who walked seven times is better. Your 21 times may not even be accepted by Allah. It may be thrown out and rejected. Because the hadith says, Man amila amalan laysa alayhi amruna fahuwa rad. Whomsoever does an action that's not from our actions, his action is rejected. His action is rad, means rejected, it's not accepted. So this is a very important point. Follow the sunnah. And not anybody else's opinion, and not what makes sense to you, or what you feel is better. The sunnah is better. And nothing can be better than the sunnah. Just This is the principle for life, not just for hajj. For every act of worship, you should try and strive to follow the sunnah. Because the sunnah is better. Right? Simple example. Lots of things are into my mind. There's a sheikh giving a talk at the Tayyibah Center tonight on the, the, the wudu of the Prophet The way the Prophet made wudu. If you can attend, you should try and attend after Maghrib, inshallah. Just an example. The hadith says that the Prophet wiped his head in wudu once. You know that? He wiped his head in wudu once. Which means to wipe it three times is excessive and is not part of the sunnah. So wiping it once is better than wiping it thrice. For example, there's many examples I can give. The dhikr of the salah, we say 33 times, 33 times, 33 times, la ilaha illallah. To say 35 times, 35 times, 35 times, is, may be rejected by Allah, may not even be accepted in the first place. You can nullify that worship because you are contradicting the sunnah. Do you understand? So on this point, on the umrah issue, my personal recommendation is, get to Mecca, make your umrah, wait for hajj. Make your hajj and relax. Make use of the haram. Make use of the haram. Sit there, make salah. Make nafil salah. Make salah to duha. Make qiyamul layl. Make tahajjud. And so forth. Monday, Thursday, you fast. It's a sunnah. You know, but if you're going to make endless umrahs, you're not going to be able to fast. This is hikmah. When to be wise about it. And like I said, more is not necessarily the best. The best is following the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Okay, and even if you're in Hayd, what does a woman in Hayd do in, in Mecca? Maybe I shouldn't go into this issue. Okay, my time's already up. I'm going to take your break away, but I'm going to talk. But, naam, uh, look, if you have your Hayd, there's Ibadat, there's Dhikr, and this Quran. And in the Quran, we have Open your cans of words. Right? The correct scholarly view is that it's permissible for a woman in a hayat to recite the Quran. It's permissible for a woman as a hayat to recite the Quran because there's no hadith that says you cannot. And there's no ayah that says you cannot. Okay, I know most of you probably raised and said you cannot. Uh... To summarize the issue, anybody who says you cannot, ask them to provide you with an evidence. Whether Allah said it or the Messenger said it. And no such evidence exists. And Allah knows best. Wassalamu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Shadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.